Isn't God good? And his mercy endures forever. Thank God for his mercy. Everybody stand up, please. There you go. Now hug somebody's neck by you and tell them you love them. Glory. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. Okay. That's enough love. Thank you. And that's right. Amen. Well, it's good to see you here Wednesday night. So, uh, welcome. Welcome. Hallelujah. God's got some good things for you tonight. Amen. The Holy Spirit's going to move. And you receive. 
Hallelujah. So let's go with some announcements here. We got overcomers to tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at Area 51. Uh, we got Train Christian Academy selling fireworks, uh, and they need help. Uh, volunteers, there's a piece of paper you can sign out in the uh, sign up for help there in the in commune room. Uh, so they need uh, this uh, money will go to the uh, Train Christian, uh, Christian Academy. So support it. It's going to be open from June the 23rd through July the 4th. Also, Tuesday, we have uh, intercessor prayer uh, from 9 to 11. Uh, you know, it's really important. Uh, intercessor prayer, you need to do that. Uh, you need, even if you can't be here, you need to pray for your pastors, for missionaries, for the school. Uh, start praying more. Let me tell you something. God will move when you pray. Uh, I remember years ago, uh, and this is not going to take much time, so I don't like to go into somebody else's time. So anyway, uh, years ago, uh, me and uh, my brother-in-law, Dean, would, uh, after church, uh, we would uh, go home and eat dinner, then come back at the church like 2 o'clock, and church was at 6, you know. So we'd be there from 2 to 6 praying for the church service. We did that every Sunday for a long time. And, you know, God would move. During the church service. So one day, uh, we were up there praying, and we had been praying for, I don't know, about three hours, somewhere in there. And Dean uh, asked me to pray for him. He had a headache. So I went over there to pray for him, and I was getting ready to lay my hands on him, and I got about that close. And a bolt of electricity shot out of my finger. Bam, hit him right square on the head. Knocked him down, knocked him down on the, on the on the floor there, and he was just laying there, and he with his hands out, and you know praising God and all this other kind of stuff. So uh, I said, "Wow, that was cool." But then, as I walked around, I started laughing. I realized that we had been walking on about this thick a carpet for about four <laughs> for about four hours, and man, that electricity came out of my finger. I mean, you could see it. You could see it. Bam! Hit him right there. And, you know, we had a good church service that night. You know, anyway, Dean sure did. So I didn't tell him what would happen neither. I just let him believe that was that was the Lord and that was cool. I know it probably was, but it had a lot to do with rubbing my, walking on that carpet for hours. So anyway, uh, also we're going to have outdoor movies nights on Friday in July. Uh, the first one, I guess, is July the 7th, Soupy Mario, Mario Brothers. Uh, that's great. Be here. Uh, support the things that are, that, that's going on in the church. Greater, uh, June the 15th, right? So let me tell you something. If you, you got the app on the church app, look up the bulletins in case I'm missing something. It's all there, okay? And it's great. Uh, so, uh, their seniors are still in church camp, right? To the 19th, I think. And then we got train kids camp coming up June the 9th to the 22nd. Support some of these, okay? So we're getting ready to get an offering up. Uh, there's plenty of ways to give an offering. Uh, you got text to give. you got the envelopes in here. And you have online and you have a bucket back there. Uh, give. I'm, let me tell you something. Being a pastor of a church for uh, about 25 years, you know, uh, it takes a lot of money 
to run a church. Now, I had a small church. This is a pretty good-sized church. It takes money, folks, to, uh, to do that and support that. Just, just, just support your church, support missions, whatever's going on here at this church, support it. Amen? You know, um, in Philippians, you know, when Paul was talking uh, to them about, the, about them giving and so on and so forth and, and uh, how they gave offerings to him and so on and so forth. And through that, he finally said, because you're given, he said, my God shall supply all of your needs. Every one of them. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Isn't that awesome? So before I pray for that, I remember here a couple of years ago, we had a, a, a pump or something went out on our well house, and, and I don't know, I think it was going to cost $1,200. I'm not sure what it was going to cost. Uh, so I went down there to the, uh, at the where they sell those things, and I knew the guy a little bit, and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I got 600 now, I'll have to pay you the rest of it when I get my other paycheck. He said, okay. So I did that. So uh, two weeks later, I went down to uh, uh, the well place, and I said, well, I'm here to pay my other $600. And he said, it's already been paid for. I said, well, and he said, yeah, it's already been paid for. I didn't ask, well, who paid for it? You know, God paid for it. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you know, God, God will do those things for you. God will do those things for you. We've been paying tithes and Denzema for 48 years. And there's just, there's just things that's going on uh, uh, all the time in our life. And it's, because, and it's because of the giving. Amen? And then right after that, uh, we ha- and this is cause of giving. I'm talking about offering. I pray for you. you need to, uh, the offering's going to increase around here on, on Wednesdays and Sundays. Just because it's Wednesdays don't mean you get, don't tighten up. You know, we give on Wednesdays too, give above. Uh, a little bit later on that, uh, that year, uh, somebody came, we had problems with the air condition and had it for a year, the unit or whatever. So, uh, my son, you know, our oldest boy came down with the electrician from Missouri, that's where he lives, with a brand new unit, inside and out, including the copper, including everything. So ball of wax. And I said, well, what owe you? He said, nothing. Now, some people would say, well, that's your boy. Well, yeah, that's my boy, but he didn't have to do that. He brought electrician down. And that's because of the giving. See? That's because of the giving. You want God to do something in your life, give. Amen? Hallelujah. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for this offering tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you are going to supply all their needs according to your riches and glory. We thank you, Father, for the service tonight. We thank you for the preaching tonight. We thank you, Father, for the anointing of God to be on her, upon, the, upon her in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your mercy and kindness and your compassion. And, Lord, meet their needs. Meet the needs tonight. Hallelujah. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, hallelujah. Look at all your smiling faces. Boy, I seem loud to myself. Am I that loud? Or <laughs> Let me get some glasses on here so we can see what we're doing. We're going to start this evening. We're just going to stand up for a minute. We're going to lift the name of the Lord. That's just sort of the way I start anything that I'm doing. Because, you know, we've all been out today working different things. And, you know, sometimes we have to deal with people's attitudes, our own attitudes, um, just frustrations that happen in situations. And so we're just going to take a second to kind of reset ourselves and get ourselves ready to receive the word that goes forth. So hallelujah. So, Father, we just thank you right now. Hallelujah. You're so good to us, Lord. We worship your name. You are great. You are mighty. You are holy. Oh, you are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And we worship your name right now, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We magnify your name. You are glorious. You are wonderful, Father. You are our strong tower, Lord. We run to you, Lord. We thank you right now. Hallelujah. For your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your love and your faithfulness, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We put ourselves in remembrance, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Well, thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and be seated this evening. And hallelujah. I uh, am going to share something with you tonight that I'm sure you've all heard before. And um, we're going to start out in the Old Testament. And then we're going to just move over into the New Testament and go over some different things. But as I was just doing my regular time with the Lord and Bible reading, I began to read through a passage in the Word that you'll all know here in a few minutes. But the Holy Spirit began to show me some things in it that we often overlook, that we often uh, don't see the deeper uh, uh, forms of. And so I want to talk about that with you tonight because it's talking about our authority. And you know, when we talk about the Old Testament, we are looking at types and shadows. And what that means is that those are types and shadows of the things that were to come in the New Testament that we live in today. And so... um so that's what I want to share with you. I want you to realize what uh, victory was available back then, but how even more victorious that we can live today if we'll just be the children of God. So I want to ask you who you are, and we're going to find out tonight who we are, and we're also going to find out how we talk to the devil, because sometimes he thinks he's all that, and we have to remind him of who he is, that he is actually defeated. And so we're going we're gonna to read through tonight. And we're just going to talk about that. So let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is the story of David and Goliath, which everyone is so familiar with. But I believe as we went through that, like I said, the Holy Spirit began to show me that there were some vital things that we miss. We just hear about David and his little five stones and killing the giant. But we don't really catch the victory that is there. And so we want to go through that tonight. We want to look at it and we just want to talk about it. So let's begin at verses one through four. I'm going to read kind of quickly as we set the foundation here. And it said, now the Philistine, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle and were assembled in Soka, which belonged to Judah and encamped between Soka and Ezekah was Ephesus Damim. Saul and the men of Israel were encamped in the valley of Elah and 
drew up in battle array against the Philistines. So basically, they're getting ready to go to war with the Philistines. We have the army of Israel and the Philistine army. They're getting ready to go to battle. Verse number three, and the Philistines stood on the mountain and on the other side of Israel stood on the mountain, uh, stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And verse number four, and it says, and a champion went out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span, almost 10 foot. Okay, so I want you to look here at verse number four. We're going to talk about verse four for just a second here because I want you to notice that Goliath was called the champion. Now, uh, how do you think he earned the name of champion? <laughs> well, usually champions are someone that defeats the rival. Usually champions are someone that are mighty uh, in accomplishing and they're going to win, okay? So he had this reputation of being the champion, of being someone who... Uh, got victory and brought forth victory. And he was a big man in addition to all of that. So let's jump over to verse number eight. We're going to go down here and it says, Goliath stood and shouted. And I want you to notice those words. However, your Bible may put it, mark those words. If you never have to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. Now, the Holy Spirit began to minister to me as I began to read through this. And so I want to point out some things in verse number eight right here that I believe are vital to our walk as children of God, even today. First of all, I want you to notice that Goliath stood and shouted. He wanted to intimidate. Now, I don't know about you, but I know our enemy, the Bible says, he goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, the New Testament tells us. And so that kind of sounds a little bit like our enemy who wants to come out and say, hey, don't you know you're sick? Look at the symptoms in your body. Or the lion that wants to come and say, your family is never coming to the Lord. Give it up, girl. What is your deal? Or all these different things. He likes to stand and shout. Sound real important whenever by shouting. All right. And then uh, when we shout, it's also an intimidating thing. So he liked to come out there and act like he was all that. I want you to notice that he was also demeaning them. He was belittling them. Who do you think you are? Uh, aren't you just Saul's army? Don't you know I'm from the Philistine army? Okay. So I want to ask you this. What does the enemy say to you? What are some of the things that you might struggle with in your thought life that might be going on that, that the enemy is standing and shouting at you? Okay. Then let's look at that verse again there. So we said it stood and shouted. Okay. I also want you to notice, as I've mentioned, that he was condescending and arrogant. He even asked them, why have you come? Now, you know, sometimes the enemy will say to us, why are you even praying? You might as well say Mary had a little lamb. Your prayers are doing no good. Look at this. Look at that. Look at your bank account. Look at your family. Look at your health. Okay. So he's saying to them, why have you come? So he talks about who he is. You know, the devil likes to act like he's all that, but he's really not. We're going to read some scriptures to find that out in a few minutes. But he likes to act like he's all that. And that sounds just like the devil, doesn't it? He likes to come out there and act like he's just a big shot and that he knows it all. 
okay? And he says, I'm a Philistine. You're just a mere little servant. That's what the devil likes to do, squish us down and tell us that we're never going to do the things that God has given to us or the calls that might be on our life or whatever it is. But the enemy wants you to think that you're nothing, that you're unimportant, that you're destined to failure. That is one way that the enemy works. And so they, so the devil works in that way. And that is how Goliath was acting. Now, I also want you to notice that in that verse eight right there, um, that it was a form of taunting, insulting, trying to provoke them to come on over. I'm just going to thump you to the side. And that's kind of how the devil is. You know, he stood, he stands and tries to brag and puff himself up and make us think all of these things that really are not even true. And so, um, Life can look like that sometimes. I'm not belittling those things because sometimes our situation can seem overwhelming. But, you know, as I tell Pastor Bob, he'll tell you that this is one of my sayings. When my kids used to gripe when they were little, I'd say, well, is it going to matter eternally? Because the truth is that a lot of times we're overwhelmed by the natural situations that are actually not even going to matter eternally. And so we, uh, or we're not going to let them shake us. All right. So we're, I'm just going to read verse nine real quick here. It says, and he, if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Now I want you to notice verse 10. If you never read another verse in this chapter again in your life, I hope that you will read verse 10. This is one of the most missed scriptures that is in this passage of scripture. And I think that it reflects today so strongly because we live in a society that wants to defy the things of God today in a world system that's pushing upon us. Okay. And so, um, so we're going to look at what happened right here. So in verse number 10, it says, and the Philistines said, so this is Goliath. And what did he say? He plain outright said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day, give me a man that I might fight, that we might fight together. Notice that he was blatantly defying the army of Israel. That was God's anointed that had been put there. And how many times does the devil come walking up to us like he's all that with his shouting or whatever else and begin to defy the things of God that are the truth for us. And so We're going to continue to read here. So let's look a little bit more. Um, You know, and like I said, I think we often read over this verse, but it's just so powerful. It's, it's the, it's like the meat of this passage right here that we defy God. And how many times do we allow the devil to defy the promises that God has given to us? All right. So the devil likes to challenge us. He likes to challenge you. He likes to challenge me. And his goal is to make you back down and to destroy your confidence. Okay. So that was the whole goal of little Goliath here, even though he wasn't little naturally, he was quite small. All right. And so let's continue. Um, So let's look at verse number 11. So verse number 11 says, when Saul and all of Israel heard, I want you to notice those words of the Philistine. I want you to notice these next things. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. So first of all, they heard the words. 
So what you hear in the natural, guys, it matters because it sets the atmosphere. Notice verse 11. So they heard, and the atmosphere, what atmosphere was set? Dismay and great fear. Okay? So what we hear is important. So that's a key of how the enemy works in our life. He wants us to hear the things that are contrary to the word of God so that he can begin to have a, a strength in our life and, and, and uh, real estate in our life. Okay? So their atmosphere was dismayed and greatly distressed. So that's a key. If you're going around and you're noticing that you're in distress or you're stressed or discouraged or whatever it might be, perhaps you're listening to some natural words and you're meditating upon them because they will create an atmosphere in your life. So they took heart to what he was saying. Because they basically were sitting ducks and they were very scared. Okay. Kind of like we are sometimes. I mean, come on, we are humans. None of us are perfect. Sometimes we're moved by the things of the natural. And so, um, you know, the natural situations can come in and knock us upside the head real good a few times. And so we have to get back on track. So, um, in the natural, it was natural to fear because one of the things that you have to understand about this Philistine army was that it was a very advanced army at that time. It was very invincible, a very strong army. So they had every reason to be shaking in their shoes. And then here comes this giant champion who is taunting them and they're hearing and they're allowing that fear to manifest in their life. Sometimes the things in the natural in life, they look stacked up against us. I'm sure that the army of Israel stood there and they're looking at that advanced army of Philistines and they're beginning to think, oh my word, you know, and it can be distressing to you when things begin to be stacked against you, you can begin to become distressed. And it's one way that the devil works, by accusing you, by getting you distressed, by by making you inferior so you think, okay? But um, in the New Testament, he's known as the accuser of the brethren. So as I began, like I said, and the Holy Spirit began to show me this passage, boy, was I seeing a type and a shadow here. Because I began to realize that he was accusing the army of Israel, just like Satan likes to accuse us. So that's why we have to be aware of sometimes even what we're thinking about to get rid of that, throw it where it belongs, because uh, we are the army of God, as we're going to read in just a few minutes. So I'm going to quickly read through 12 through 15 here. And it says, David was the son of an Ephorite of Bethlehem in Judea named Jesse. He had eight sons. Jesse, in the days of Saul, was old, advanced in years. His three eldest sons had followed Saul into battle, and their names were Eliab the firstborn, next Abinadab, and third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. All right, let's look at verse number 16, and it said, The Philistine came out morning and evening, presenting himself, so I want you to notice that, for 40 days. So again, a couple things we're going to talk about here. So in verse number 16, Goliath came out doing the same thing morning and evening, 
presenting himself. That's exactly how our enemy works. He wants to present himself. He does it the same way. We fall for it over and over if we don't learn to be discerning and notice that sort of thing. Okay. And he's coming out trying to act like he's all that presenting himself for access into our life. And basically he's saying to them, here I am. You can't defeat me. I am known as the champion. He's all that. So he's coming out there, having himself a a good little time, so he thinks. All right. So it sounds like our enemy does the same thing over and over to us to wear us down, to get us to a place where uh, we're no longer as strong in faith as we need to be, presenting himself and establishing his identity towards us to see if we're going to accept that identity or not. That's actually how the devil works. When you study his name, um, Diablo, it means that he's, it's a repeated blow that he just keeps doing the same thing to wear you down, to get you to a place where you cannot go forth like you need to. So that's why he came out twice a day and presenting. He wasn't just walking out there like, wow, he was mocking and taunting and saying, pay attention. Pay attention. I have something here. You're going to accept what I'm saying. You're going to accept my identity. Okay? So, um, our enemy wants to establish his identity in our life. And we have to get to the par- to the place where we're not going to allow that to happen. We're going to just continue to go forward. All right? Now, let's continue here. Um, Okay, so he did this. Let's see here. Where, what verse does it tell us that in? Um, I have here that he did this for 40 days, presenting himself morning and night. Oh, did I say that right there in verse 16? Okay, presenting himself for 40 days. Think about that. That's about six weeks. Just think every day for six weeks um, that you're coming out somewhere to do something and somebody comes and challenges you. Come here. I'm going to slap you around. Who are you, idiot? And hit, talking to you bad the whole time you're walking to the car. But you know what? Sometimes we allow that as people of God in our life. We allow him to come out there and say who he, who he thinks he is. And we're just running in terror and tucking our tails. And that is not what the Lord has called us to do. So let's come on down here to verse number 19. We're going to jump down there. And we see... It says, now Saul and his brothers, now Saul and the brothers and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David rose up early the next morning, left the sheep with the keeper, took the provisions, and went as Jesse had commanded to him. And he came to the encampment at the as the host going forth to the battleground shouted the battle cry. So he's showing up right as they're getting ready out there. Okay. It says, And Israel and the Philistines put a battle in array, army against army. David left his packages in the care of the baggage keeper, and he ran to the ranks and came and greeted his brother. So he went out there and he found his brothers in the ranks. Okay. Verse 23. And they talked. Behold, Goliath, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, came forth from the Philistine ranks and spoke the same words as before. And then I want you to also notice these last words that the verse ends with. 
And David heard them. So let's talk here for a minute before we go on to another verse. So first of all, he spoke the same words as before. Just like our enemy, same trick up his sleeve. He doesn't have any way to do anything new. He knows where our weak points are, and that's what he uses to his advantage. Okay, same thing as before. Uh, over and over and over, he tries to do it to get the upper hand. He'll say, look at you. You have those symptoms, you idiot. You you are sick. What's your problem? Uh, you know, and he's just going to go on and on and on. Okay, so he knows where to hit you, and he's not going to be pamsy whamsy about it he's going to hit you all right and then uh, another thing that we notice about this verse 23 here is that david heard him now remember earlier that saul and the army of israel also heard goliath okay and it created an atmosphere and that was fear and dismay okay but let's go on to verse 24 and it said all the men of israel when they saw the man fled from him terrified. Okay, so again, there's another key. So um, when we see with our natural eyes, things can be quite overwhelming. When we look at the doctor's reports and we look at those uh, reports that came back from the lab or whatever, it can be quite overwhelming. And again, it creates an atmosphere and they were very afraid. So that's another way that the enemy works is through our physical sight. Okay. So um, I also want you to notice um, that his goal is to make fear in you. So that's another reason why he does that. That's why we have to be careful what we hear and what we see. And I'm just going to tell you right now, as we progress more and more and more into the end age, we are going to have to be more aware of this because there's poison on every corner. Sometimes I am absolutely shocked at the people that are actually already getting off course. Um, there was someone that I was around not long ago, and he was talking some garbage, and I told my husband it was all I could do to not slap him on the back of the head, say, what are you talking about? Because he's, he's related to me. And I said, you know, but I had to just speak in tongues and walk away, even though my flesh wanted just to say, that was to knock some sense into you, okay? But I didn't, hallelujah. So, <laughs> but we got to be on guard because he was listening to garbage and it's began to create garbage in him. Okay, so let's look at verse 25. And the Israelites said, have you seen, there's that word again, this man who has come out, surely he has come out to defy Israel and the man who kills him will be, uh, kill, kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. And I want to say a couple things right here. So, first of all, not only have they seen, but now they're beginning to talk about what they've seen and what they've heard, which is another tactic. Once the devil gets in there and he gets that access in our life, then uh, we start to, well, I'm just talking to, to you know, someone about it. It's okay. And we just begin to say, uh, but you know, I, I really was shaken by that report. And I really, I mean, you know, it, it is really hard. And we start talking about the situation instead of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, uh, that's what we do sometimes. 
We're being embraced by what we're hearing and seeing. Do you see why it's so important that we are careful what we see and careful what we hear? Because when it's garbage, all of a sudden we're going to go out and begin to talk about that garbage. And it's every time something is spoken, a word produces, the Bible tells us, life or death are in the power of our words and our tongue. So that's why that the devil wants us to begin to meditate on how bad this is, because the more that we begin to talk about what we're seeing and hearing, the greater access that the enemy has. And we begin to identify with that. Okay? So, um, something to think about. It magnifies that in your life. When you begin to talk about what you're seeing and hearing, it begins to magnify that. Now you've given place, and those things are going to begin to be stronger and 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 more mag- magnificent in your life, whether they're a positive thing or a negative thing. All right, so let's look at verse 26. And it said, David said to the man standing by him, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who, notice these words, this is another verse that's missed. If you haven't highlighted it, underlined it, put 18 stars by it. Okay, here we go. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So now, just a minute ago, we read where David heard. He heard and he was seeing the same things as his brother. But look what it installed in him. He got mad. He said, who does he think he is? Who does he think? think he is that he has the right to defy the armies of the living God I think that we don't always notice those things but they're so powerful in these Old Testament verses who is this he's saying who is this Woo! hallelujah who is this who is the enemy in your life He is defeated. We're going to read that here in just a minute. He is already defeated. So who is he that whenever he thinks he's all that and a cup of tea, that we are just sitting around naively accepting that we're not going to do it. The Holy Spirit began to talk to me about this verse. And he began to say, as we're going forth into this end age, that we have to be the people of God. We cannot back down. We cannot say, who is this? In spirit, we are going to have to say, that is enough. I have had enough. And you're not acting like that with me anymore. And we're going to have to begin to be the people of God. So he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he thinks he could defy the armies of the living God. Who is the enemy that he thinks he can defy the ecclesia in the New Testament? Who does the devil think he is that he has any right to come into our life of, of the believer at all? We are the army of God here on earth today. We are the army of God. And we have got to start operating from our place of authority. It's an anger that doesn't come from here, but comes from right here. How dare you to act like that? The enemy had overstepped and David was not having it. And you know what? 
Are you going to continue to allow the devil to overstep in your life? Or are you going to do something about it? So today the devil tries to overstep us, the ecclesia, the army of God. The world system is pushing all around us, trying to bully us and force us into its mold, taunting us, trying to, um, to wear us down to get us, well, let's just tolerate. I mean, go away. Kind of like the army was doing after 40 days, the army of Israel. They were tolerating him because they didn't want to deal with it. But it's time that we deal with it, that we arise from our sleep and we deal with it. Okay. Um, when was the last time that you said that to the devil? Get away. You are defeated. Who do you think you are? When was the last time you said that? If not, well, then, then you have a new thing that you can start doing. Hallelujah. Because, um, because the devil is defeated. So let's go look at that. So we're not done with Samuel. Hold your spot right there. We're going to come back, but we're going to turn quickly over to Matthew. Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at chapter uh, 16. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's so good to us. And guys, I hope you really are catching what I'm saying. Because I'm about done with the arrogance of some things. It's time that we just be the people of God. And we go forth like that. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to read to you out of the Passion Translation, verses 17, 18, 19. Then I'm going to read to you the footnotes, which I did not write. They happen to be in the bottom of this Bible. And we're going to get a clear view here. And it says, Jesus, okay, so we're uh, right here. Jesus was asking the uh, disciples, who do you think that I am? And they all had a different answer. And Peter said, I believe that you're the anointed one, the son of God. Verse 17, and Jesus replied, You are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, uh, for you didn't discover this on your own. But the Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed this to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone. And this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I build my church, my legislative assembly. The power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys. We're going to talk about what keys are here in just a minute of heaven, of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Then we gave his disciples, then he gave his disciples strict orders not to tell anyone that he was the anointed one. Now, I'm going to read to you these little footnotes. I tell you what. Sometimes footnotes, especially in the Passion Translation, can be mighty. So it says right here. Um, let me look here. Let me turn it just one second. It was on the next page. Okay. It says the Greek word for church is ecclesia. That means legislative assembly or selected ones. This is not a religious term at all but a political governmental term that use that that is used many times in classical greek for a group of people that have been summoned and gathered together to govern the affairs of a city. Now let's stop right there for a minute. When you get a summons, you don't get a choice. You are to go to that court hearing whenever they bring you that summons. So when we're children of God, we've been summoned to meet together as the governing authority on things that are going on. Okay. 
Uh, for Jesus, to use this term means that he's giving the keys of governmental authority to his kingdom to the church. That is you. That is me. If we are believers. All right. Then I'm going to jump down here and it says there is no power of darkness that can stop the advancing church that Jesus builds. It says the keys are symbolic of authority and ruling power. He gave those to us. We just read. Okay. And it says that we may forbid on earth, uh, that which we forbid on earth must be that which is already forbidden in heaven. And that which is permitted on earth must be that which is permitted in heaven. Okay. A couple more verses here. So let's go quickly. Um, okay. So let's look here. Let's go over to Colossians chapter two. We're going to go to verses number 15, 16, and 17. We're just going to lay a foundation. These could all be a sermon by themselves, but we have just a few minutes. So Colossians chapter 2. Let me make sure I'm in chapter 2. There we go. And we're going to look at 15, 16, and 17. And again, I'm reading to you from the Passion Translation. And it says, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority. And power to accuse us. Uh, and it says, and by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Then I come down here to the footnotes. Love little footnotes, especially in the passion. And it says, um, he stripped the principalities and powers and shamed them openly. In other words, the whole, all the kingdom realm of spiritual things, he was parading them around. They were seeing him defeated as he had made them. It said, Jesus destroyed death and the power of darkness and every work of the enemy through the blood of his cross. All the enemy's weapons have been stripped away from him. And now the church has authority in Christ. Oh, my word. Now the church has authority in Christ to enforce this triumph upon the dethroned rulers of this world. Hallelujah. So no wonder, even though it was Old Testament, that David said, who do you think you are? And that's how we have to start looking at those Things that the enemy throws at us. Who do you think you are? Because right here, I have been given the authority um, through the blood of Christ to operate in his behalf. And it says, and now the church has that authority in Christ to enforce this triumph upon the dethroned rulers of this world. Uh, it says, they enforced his triumph to all the thrones and authorities, putting them all to public shame by the manifestation of himself in them. Okay, so that was all in my footnotes. And if you don't have a Passion Bible, go get one and read the footnotes too, because they're really good. So, but I'm going to tell you right here that the Lord has given us the authority over the devil and the devil is defeated and yet we tremble in fear and the devil is defeated he is under our feet now david and goliath of course are in the old testament 
And that was a different covenant. But they didn't live and they don't have within them the power of the Holy Spirit like we do today. But yet, a little old David, do you know if you study him out, he was the youngest, and it says he was a teenager, all of that, and yet he was mad that the enemy would insult the armies of Israel. And I tell you what, when we come on the scene, our presence, our presence demands an explanation when David walked on that scene his presence was putting out a demand upon upon who he was uh, with the Lord and he wouldn't even like us because he was in the Old Testament all right now let's flip back over here to Samuel um and we're at okay well we were at 17 but we just don't have enough time to read it all so um we're gonna jump here I'm gonna summarize I think um Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So he finds his brothers as we went on through there. Let's look at um, verse 28. Let's begin there. That's actually where we were, I think. So it says, now Eliab, the eldest brother, heard what he said to his men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. Okay, now this was not a godling anger. This was a different anger. And he said, why have you come here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption of evilness of heart. You come it down here that you might see the battle. Okay, so I want you to notice that Eliab was one of those that was seeing and hearing the things of Goliath and discussing it with the army. And now he's acting just like the man. He's belittling his brother. He's belittling belittling him and i'm going to tell you this that when you decide to make a stand against the enemy people are not going to be on your side they're not going to be on your side they're going to tell you how dumb you are they're going to tell you how stupid that you are so you can expect to be attacked but uh you just can't be moved by it david basically just kind of said well what is it to you and he goes on his merry way so we go on and we see here um let's jump down here to Verse number 32, I'm going to skip those small verses there. You can look at them. And um, actually, let's go to 31. And it said, and when David's words were heard, they were repeated to Saul. And Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight with him. Okay. Um, And then let's look at verse 33. And it says, Saul said to David, you are not able to go fight against this Philistine. You're only an adolescent. And he has been a warrior from his youth. So again, they're putting the natural on everything. Uh, Just like we try to do sometimes. We try to put the natural on everything. We try to say, well, I can't do that, or I'm not this, or this runs in my family. You don't understand. Really? Because even in the Old Testament, it's defying that right there. Okay? Then you look at 34 and 35. And it said, and David and Saul were servants. Uh, And David said to Saul, your servant kept his father's sheep. And when there was a lion or again a bear and took a lamb and out uh, out of the flock, I went after it and smote it and delivered the lamb out of the mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught it by the beard and smote it and killed it. Okay, so he's not repeating these things because he's trying to say, oh, I'm a wonderful person. I believe he was putting himself in remembrance of how God had equipped him to fight in the battle. And so, so we need to put ourselves in remembrance of the times that we've been victorious in our life so that it builds a strength for our current battle that we're going through and we can say oh no devil oh no devil i remember when i remember when 
I remember when, and we began to just declare the truth of the word. All right? Then let's look at verse 36. It says, Your servant killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. Please notice those words. Another important words that get missed in this story. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. He was speaking his faith. He was not about to be budged. Okay? And he said, because he has defiled the army of the living God, the armies of the living God. So why did he know he could be victorious? Because he had defied, because Goliath had defied the, the living God, the armies of the living God. And so that's how we know we're victorious. Because when Satan defies the army of the ecclesia, he better get out of the way. Because there's a thumping going on. All right? We're walking through. So the devil's already defeated. We read that to you in scripture. How dare he? Who does he think he is to defy the armies of the living God? All right, let's look at 38 and 39. Thank you, Lord. And it said, And Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword over his armor, and he tried to go, but he could not, for he was not used to it. And David said to Saul, I cannot use these, for I'm not used to them. And David took them off. So I believe that what the Lord is saying to us right here is that sometimes whenever we have the mandate of the Lord, we try to do it our way. Well, there's only one way to fight with this armor or with this, but the Lord is saying, I have my way. And praise God, David said, realized that the Lord had a way to do it. And so um, he goes over to, and we see in verse 40 right here, it says, and he took off, um, and he took his staff in his hand. That's very important. Please mark that. We'll talk about it in a minute. And chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's lunch bag uh, in, in his pouch. And in his sling was um, in his pouch and his sling was in his hand and he drew near please notice that to the philistine so first of all the staff the staff uh that he had in his hand was signifying the power and the rescue of the lord that's what the staff is when you study it in the old testament we won't go into any more than that because we don't have time okay but a shepherd does use the curved end of that staff he will pull the sheep like if they're getting over by the by the cliff caught into some bushes he will pull them out for their safety their protection he has the power to uh keep them away from danger Okay, so, and then, you know me, I, I think I've told you before, I love to look up and study words. And do you know that power means um, that uh, to act in a particular way? So the staff said we, he could act in a particular way when he held on to that staff. See, we as the ecclesia, when we're holding on to the word of God, which is the power, we can act in a particular way. We can tell the devil who do you think you are? We can act in that way and we can be the people of God because that is our power. The word of God within us and the ability of the Holy Spirit to go forth as men and women of God. We can operate in the authority of Christ because his power is within us. Then I want you to notice that he also drew near. It said in that verse 40, he drew near. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid because he chose to hear with his ears of faith. And he had already spoken that you will die just like 
he will die just like the just like the lion and the bear. Okay, he had already spoken. Now let's jump down to verse 45 and 46. And it said, then said David to the Philistine. So now he's drew near to him. I bet that shocked. I bet that shocked Goliath, little old Goliath right there. I mean, whoa, wow, he really thinks he's something. But David knew he was something. All right. And it said, and then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. Oh, 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 don't miss it, guys. Don't miss it. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the ranks of Israel, whom you defied. Why don't you tell the devil that next time he's waving his little flag at you, telling you that the situation's a certain way? Say, what? What? Who do you think you are? You defied. You were made a show of openly and paraded around. Who do you think you are? And then look at verse number 46. And then he goes on to boldly declare. Guys, we have to boldly declare out of our mouth. We can't think it into happening. It says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you and cut off your head, and I will give your corpses to the armies of Philistines this day, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So, David didn't walk up there trying to prove his point. Now, oh, God's anointed me. And no, he just declared the word out of his mouth and he began to act upon it. He said, I, I'm acting as the army of Israel. And he wasn't even part of the physical army there, but he was acting in behalf of them. He said, I'm acting in behalf, just like we be act in behalf. We are the authority here upon the earth. So he spoke faith to his face, and then he did, uh, then he went and and told him exactly what was going to happen. So notice that he overcame by speaking in faith, and then actions that corresponded. And we're going to read those in a second. So we have a part to play in overcoming the works of the enemy. The devil is defeated, but God's not just going to do 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 like Superman and, oh, I got to help Bob. Oh, I got to help Darla. No, he has given you the authority and you're going to have to go out there and do something about it. Just like David did. David walked out there and he said, I'm taking you down, dude. And you better, you better just get it in your mind because you're going down. And then 47 through 50. Um, and it said at this assembly, and all this assembly shall know of the Lord that he saves, not with the sword or the spear, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into our hands. So, guys, we are fighting from victory to victory today in the New Testament because of the work that was done upon the cross. We have guaranteed, but we have to decide if we're going to step up and say who we are or not. And when the Philistines came forward to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And it said, David put his hand into his bag, and he took out a stone and slung it, and it struck the Philistine, sinking into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and strewed down the Philistine and slew him. But no sword was in David's hand. Wow, wow. Wow, 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 
This is some powerful Old Testament stuff. I think we might be operating way below our authority. I mean, wow. Come on now. And so he declared it. He did it. He went forward in victory. Today, we are the ecclesia. We are the assembling body. We have the authority of God's kingdom, and we have to begin to operate in it. Who does the devil think he is? We have to say, this isn't happening on my watch. Uh Uh-uh. And you know what? We are going to stand firm and not be moved at all by it. So before I end tonight, I want to share a quick story with you. Of my beautiful little granddaughter, Piper. She was born this last uh, December of uh, 2020. What year are we in? Three? 2022. <laughs> December 18th, 2022. So first, let me just say that little Piper was a miracle. That Justin and Naomi had to have J- Jackson, the cute little blonde that runs around all the time with his Grammy. Um, she had, they had to have medical intervention to have Jackson. And so they were basically told you aren't going to have children. You have to have medical intervention each time. So boom, surprise. Here's, here's little Piper. Okay. They get pregnant, um, unexpectedly. So she goes along a tough pregnancy, different things. They had done scans for different reasons, quit doing the scans. Well, she had developed what they call gestational diabetes, which is diabetes during pregnancy. And so They decided they were going to do a scan because the babies can get quite large whenever, um, you know, you have diabetes during pregnancy. And they wanted to make sure that the baby wasn't getting too large. And so this was a Wednesday. And keep in mind as we progress in the story that Piper is born on Sunday, okay? So this is a Wednesday. I'm at work. I had just launched an international. I work for Rick Renner and we have employees all over the world. There was 300 people online. I'm the one responsible. I have to let everybody in, all of that. So I had just let in 300 people. I had just walked out. I sat down. We're, we're having this little Christmas thing that we do every December with all the staff. I'm sitting there. I look down at my phone. And I can't believe what I'm reading. And I adjust my glasses. And Naomi had texted me, our daughter. And she says, um, she says, uh, Piper's intestines are in her chest. And I couldn't believe what I was reading. And I ran out of the staff meeting with 300 people online that are seeing me, plus the people that are there in the room with me, because I immediately, we're humans, guys, I immediately had all these waves of emotion. And the first thing I had to do was I had to, to get my, um, I had to take my authority in my mind. That was the first thing I had to do. And I had to just, I didn't care what was going on. They would be fine if they didn't make the Christmas staff meeting. Glory to God. We're going to, I have to go get my mind under control. So I ran, I run down this big long hall and there's a room where our partner care department prays, um, and, um, for over the partners and things like that. And so I ran in there. The first thing I did was uh, call Naomi. Of course, she's bawling and she's crying. And um, I talked to her for a minute. And I said, sweetie, we shall believe the report of the Lord. And we're talking, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, then I call Bob right behind that. And just during that short time of hanging up with Naomi, picking favorites on my phone hitting Bob's work cell and it pops up on the phone and I began to talk to my husband and all of a sudden I hear out of my mouth I hear these words who does the devil 
think he is that he can do that to my granddaughter? Who does he think he is? And I tell you what, I was mad. Of course, when we ended that, and it was not a mad up here, it was mad that he had overstepped. He, Yeah, he had overstepped. And this girl wasn't going to take it because I'm a woman of God. And he had overstepped. And so... um when we ended that phone call, the last words out of my mouth were, we shall believe the report of the Lord. And so the week, uh, the next couple of days are going on. Naomi finds out on Fridays. Remember that was Wednesday that she would have to go to Oklahoma city because Piper might need immediate surgery upon delivery. They didn't know how bad it was, if her heart would be developed, anything like that. Of course, let me back up for a minute. As soon as we got that report and we could get Naomi to the house, we laid hands upon her and I began to confess these scriptures that I read tonight to you that, um, Colossians of how the devil made, um, was made a show of by Jesus. And she began to kick and I said yes that's your favorite scripture Grammy knows and so till this day we still every time she's at Grammy's house we talk about that scripture because that's that's uh the scripture that we live by but anyway so it's Friday she finds out she's going to have to deliver an OU because um they don't have any other surgeons in Oklahoma that can do it except for in Oklahoma City and there was two of them and she was going to have to go there and they scheduled her for Monday to go there so Things are going crazy, all of this. All this time, I kept telling Bob, who does the devil think he is? I mean, and I said, that is my granddaughter. We're not having this. He's probably getting sick of hearing that, but it just rose up in me. I was so mad. And um, so uh, uh, Sunday morning, that was the Sunday morning, Pastor Bob was preaching when all the little play guns were going off with the little arrows. Okay, so uh, he's supposed to be here, you know, preaching. 6.45, I get a phone call. And I know, I thought, I knew in my spirit, she's in labor. And she said, Mom, my water broke. Well, I said, okay, I'll meet you at Jiffy Trip. Um, yeah, is that Jiffy Trip? Yeah, okay. Jiffy Trip by the stoplight there, whatever that place is. He, he, he said, she said, I'll meet you there because I had to get my two-year-old grandson from her. Okay, her, the older brother. And I said, I'll meet you there. And I said, uh, you know, see you in a few minutes. So I tell Bob, I'm going to get Jackson. So all the way up, I'm praying in the spirit because I just feel, an, you know, an urgency to, to pray in the spirit. And she's not, I'm going to water break. And she's having hard contractions. I'm like, great. You know, and then again, in the natural, you're thinking, you got this going on. You've got the natural saying, woo, this is not a good situation. And then you have the spirit of God that's saying you are victorious no matter what. So... Um, I get my grandson, I'm driving back to the house, it's 7.10, I pick up my grandson when we met there, um, by the time they grabbed their bag, I got some shoes on, different things, it was 7.10, when I pulled out of the parking lot there at Jiffy Trip, and I, I get back to the house, and I said to Bob, I said, I'm not going to church, I said, I'm interceding right now, he said, okay, so, He's here preaching. I'm at the house. I'm walking the floor. I'm declaring Piper will not be born on the side of the road. She will not, um, she will be able to breathe. She will not be born on the side of the road. All these kinds of things. So they pull into OU Medical Center, like however long it takes. Basically 30 minutes after they arrived, Piper was born. Um, in fact, when she got there, it was so bad, her contractions that she couldn't even fill out her paperwork because it was just that strong. Okay. So we don't know. We don't know anything. We don't know the degree of this, of this problem with, with her intestines up in her chest, anything like that. And so, um, she's born and immediately Justin sends me the picture and I could tell that she was crying and I knew immediately that she was able to breathe. Well, um, 
they had talked to Justin and Naomi and they said, well, this didn't happen very long ago. We don't know when it happened, but it's only been two or three weeks since this rip happened. Because what it is, is it's a tear that happens in the diaphragm and it causes the intestines to go up into the chest. Now it can actually happen to us as adults, sometimes through lifting things or whatever, but it's a rip. Um, and they call it congenital diaphragmatic hernia. Okay. And so so um, anyway, they said she can wait a couple days. So at two days old, she had surgery, was in the hospital for about, was it 24, 25 days, something like that, came home for a couple days, had to go back because she had contacted RSV. But I'm telling you all of this because through it all, I, I began to get a new, I don't know what the word is, but I began to get a new tenacity that I had never had before. And I thought, you know, the devil's not going to act like this. I, I'm, I'm about tired of this. Uh, and, and so, and I'll just tell you this, that my granddaughter, she's, um, about to be six months old doing fantastic. They tell you all those horrible things. In fact, I think it's 30 percent of all babies born with that die. So, um, it's a pretty good percentage, you know, um, but, um, She's doing fantastic. She does in the natural, they say they have diagnosed her, but we don't go by diagnosis as having a smaller lung. One's a little bit smaller than the other one, but her heart is perfect. Um, she basically is a very healthy six month old and she's the one that pastor Bob just dedicated a couple Sundays ago at the Sunday morning service. Okay. Doing fantastic. But I tell you what, I decided that I wasn't putting up with it. And so I'm putting the word of God in that little girl. And that's why every time she sees her Grammy, we're telling her how the devil's defeated. And she starts laughing. And I just laugh right with her. And I say, I know, honey, the devil's defeated, didn't he? And not only is he defeated, Jesus paraded him around for all the authorities to see. And so they all know that he's defeated. And I'm, that girl's going to know that. They're going to think she's a weirdo when she comes here to, you know, to, to school or whatever. Because she's just going to be, that's going to be what she knows. Okay. But I'm telling you that guys, because we are the people of authority. Who do we think we are? Do we think that we're, well, this is life. Or do we think that we are the people of God? And if we think we are, then we're going to act like we are. It's time that we just quit surrendering. And that we begin to declare the power of God over things in our lives. When was the last time that we've done that? I want you to stand with me right now. We're going to end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And I just want to take a moment. We're just going to pray right now. So, Lord, I just thank you right now that we take our authority over these things that have been harassing these people, Father. In the name of Jesus, those habits that they can't seem to kick. Right now, we take authority. Who does the devil think he is that he can have that territory in their lives, Lord? Lord, we speak to those addictions right now in the name of Jesus. They're broke. We break them symbolically right now, and they are smashed under the feet in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're not going to have it. We're not going to have it anymore. We speak to that fear right now in the name of Jesus that has rose up in some of their lives, Father. We render it inactive in the name of Jesus. They're not going to have it. It has no place. Who does fear think it is? Thank you, Lord. Oh, your family's out here right now in the name of Jesus. Stop it. Stop surrendering. It's been that way too long. No, right now in the name of Jesus, we declare that those 
those families, those families are going forth as people of God. Hallelujah. Satan, you don't get that territory. Who do you think you are? You are defeated. So right now, Lord, we thank you that those families, that they are operating as children of God right now in the name of Jesus, fully and completely and walking in the way that you've called them to walk, Lord. Lord, we thank you for those that are here that may have surrendered on their marriage relationships. Maybe it's a problem right now. Maybe they're struggling. But Father, we know who you are. We know who we are, Father, because of you. So right now, I thank you for those marriages that are restored, Father. Because Satan, you have no place. Who do you think you are that you can just come right on in and act like that? So we bind you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the health right now across this sanctuary who do you think you are satan who do you think you are you are defeated you are defeated you are defeated and you have no territory you have no territory so right now father we thank you we thank you right now that sickness and disease is gone joints you're working the way you're supposed to we are not subject to aging father fact it says that we renew as we grow older father so father we don't take those things that go along with getting older no in the name of jesus and we thank you for it father right now we speak to sickness and disease and to cancer and to the different things that are trying to take territory in the name of jesus in the name of jesus if the ministers are here right now and they want to come forward that would be fine hallelujah 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 right now father we just take territory we are not going to allow it who do you think you are sickness who do you think you are disease who do you think you are trying to steal my family oh it's not happening it's not happening because i am a child of god thank you lord 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 hallelujah hallelujah if you're here tonight and that was any of you or maybe you just said i just want to I just need to get more tenacious. I just need to be stronger in this. Then I want you to come forward right now so that these ministers can pray over you and pray for you because... I believe that God wants you to take a new stance. You're lunging forward. You're not going to have it. You're lunging forward. You're not going to have it. You're right there. You're lunging forward. You're letting, letting the devil know exactly who he is. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 If your family, maybe you want to come up. We'll just stand with you. We know that you believe that you received when you prayed, but we'll just come in agreement with you. But what you're doing is you're showing the devil, hey, you see this flag? It's the flag of righteousness. And I'm not having it. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. And that's what you're doing when you come up here. So I encourage you right now, you're going to come up here and you're going to do that. You're going to come up and do it. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, no more territory. It's not yours, devil. You can't have it. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Right now, healing the brokenhearted, Father, binding up their wounds. Yeah, we, we draw the line. We draw the line. Do you see it? We're not having it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Let's t- um, you can go if you want to, or you can just stay in an attitude of prayer. God bless you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.